And we're live, Georgie Dinkov. We were just talking about my give up on life beard. Uh, and I, you are recording, right? <laughs> yes, we are. We are recording. You're supposed to do that before we go live, Georgie. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> I messed it up. Uh, well, you were, judging by my beard, I've given up on life long time ago. <laughs> by the way, everybody, I'm just joking. People take that seriously when you say stuff like that. Um, anyways, well, we were about to get into something immediately upon starting the show. What was, what was it? Oh, uh, well, a couple of things that uh, just, just before I left, somebody posted something on the forum, this MD on Twitter said, um, you know, like a female walked in into her practice, heart attack, basically all of her biomarkers were normal, except one LDL was high. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and actually it wasn't high. It was 190. I think like the, um, well, actually total cholesterol should be below 200, but yeah, LDL 190, I guess you consider high. And, and I guess she made a huge case of like, well, if I, if I had given her statins, uh, she wouldn't have had the uh, the heart attack. And this person on the forum who keeps posting like uh, anti-Petarian things uh, posts this and says, I don't know what to think anymore. You guys are propagating all of these theories on this forum that go against everything that modern science says. And I responded back <laughs> saying, okay, so one case study and to you, that's basically setting it. Okay, how about a response? Since that's how we do it. I'll respond with a case study, a woman with a heart attack and low LDL, right? And then I quoted BMJ, British Medical Journal, which is probably about as legit as you get. And there's an editorial there from like, I think it was like from a year or two that says, um, basically, the we should seriously question the LDL hypothesis in cardiovascular <laughs> disease. After decades of research, basically, uh, we have no confirmation that this thing is even valid. And this whole approach of you know lowering LDL with statins should seriously be questioned. And I responded uh, the same thing. It's the same quote from this man. He seems to be um, um, be making the rounds on Twitter. And I responded with the same thing there. So let's see how it goes. But um, I don't know. It just never seems to amaze me. Like, I guess people are, are having an existential <laughs> crisis, right? You don't know what to believe anymore. Um, and, and even like a single post like that from a doctor can throw you off, which I guess I'm taking as a good sign, you know, but people are nervous. Maybe uh, there it, sh- it may not be nice to be nervous, but Voltaire said, listen, there are only two ways you can live your life, Let, uh, lethargic boredom or convulsive anxiety. And he said the first one never leads to the truth. <laughs> Maybe there should be a prerequisite to read a repeat article before posting on that forum. <laughs> because the, that cholesterol thing was cleared up for me. Literally, the, when Ray was contextualizing cholesterol, is something that increases when the thyroid function is low. And then that's played out a hundred thousand times in real life when people take thyroid and their cholesterol instantaneously lowers. Well, you know, when a, when a person is fragile and something's going on that's like questioning the worldview, sometimes they're looking for something to cling on, and that may be that it. You know, like it doesn't matter how much evidence you present, that's not how you convince people. Well, who's was it the um, Joe Rogan who says was some famous personality who said like people will only agree with you if they already agree with you. Mm-hmm. There's no. It's it's very difficult to change people's minds, and the only thing that changes it really is some kind of a unfortunately unpleasant wake up call situation in real life. Yeah, um, experience, experience, or like when you yeah. do a bunch of things and it fails, and well, with vaccination stuff, I'm sure. I mean, possibly some people will be maybe woken up when something bad happens to them or their loved ones or a friend or something like that. Unfortunately. The old Latin proverb, and I'm not trying to insult anybody, it says, eventus tutorum. Mm-hmm. Experience is the teacher of fools. <laughs> 
this is, how does that I, I, I have experienced myself so I'm I mean <laughs> please don't take it personally I'm not calling anybody a fool before I call myself a fool because I've I've been in that situation but just how does that jive with experiences the source of all knowledge etc well, that's what I'm saying. Like basically the, the, the Latin people were saying like, look, <laughs> if you insist on being an idiot, experience will teach you otherwise. Did you see that? Uh, I, should, I should have saved it to show everybody, but it's like a mom and she's like, everybody get your kids vaccinated. And it's a few, yeah. it's a few uh, tweets. And then she's like, Jimmy just got vaccinated and now he's in the hospital with myocarditis. Is that, is that his myocarditis? Wow. Is that, myocarditis. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and she's like, and then a few more tweets. It's like, who is going to pay for all these hospital bills? These are really expensive. And that's like a few more tweets of that. And then she's like, uh, uh, I would have never gotten this vaccine or something. This is insane. All, all this damage that's been done. And then her last tweet is like, life has a funny way of humbling you. And, it, yeah. but it's I, I, like, some people might not even come to that conclusion if they damage their children's health, health forever with this insane experiment. They, oh, it's our fault. I guarantee you. Like, the, I mean, no matter what happens, we're the ones spreading it. We're the ones hurting the children. We're the ones putting people in the hospital. It's all us. By the way, this is actually a true story. I went to the post office. I never wear a mask there. And the people there don't care, don't ask me to put on a mask. But there are signs everywhere that says, like, um, Necesito, like, Cubre Boca, which is, like, put on a mask. And there was a guy. I think he was Spanish. I don't think he was Mexican. He had very white skin. Anyways, long story short, he was like in my kind of my my my, ter- my space in the the post office, and he and he was like pointing to the sign w- while I was in there, and I was like, I don't I don't care, dude. I'm not gonna put on a mask. And and he uh, ended up lunging towards me with a box cutter. Are you serious? Yes, this is a, this is no amount of, of embellishment on wow. my side can kind of relay how insane this situation was. And the guy at the post office jumped and I had a, I had a knife on me. I, I always carry a knife and it was like a serious, like three inch like, hunting knife. And I like grabbed for my knife. Cause this guy was coming at my face with a box cutter and the guy, the, the post office guy jumped in front of us and like diffused the situation. But I thought I was going to, um, actually I shouldn't, I shouldn't even say that. <laughs> like, it was fucking insane. And this guy, so that explains the beard then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I give up on life. That was actually before, before this, uh, my life flashed before my eyes, but I, I was like, Oh man, something's going to happen. And then I'm going to get deported and then I'm going to have to go back to the U S forever. And then I'm going to go to jail too. <laughs> you know what? I mean, the way things are going in Mexico, like, I don't know if, if over there it's safer. Didn't Mexico at some point, like a couple of months ago said they're done with the pandemic and they're not implementing any of the vaccine mandates and all the other crap that the U S wanted them to impose. Possibly to be honest with you, I don't really like the, my, my friend here follows the news much closer than I do. I don't know if this is true or not. Uh, but there was a rumor going around that they were going to mandate, not mandate. They were going to say you had to have a vaccine to come into the country. And apparently Mexico knows that a bunch of people are going to jump ship when things get more serious and they don't necessarily want the whole world here. And so that I think it would limit people doing that if they said you had to have a vaccine. So if people listening to this, I get questions about Mexico all the time. If you're seriously thinking about coming here, you might want to get here extremely quickly. Like I, and this rumor was that it was going to happen in January. And so I renew my visa in February so hopefully that, I mean, I'd be shocked if it was mandated for people that have been here for a long time, but 
I don't know, man. Life is fucking insane. And why don't you marry a nice Chicana? And then basically, <laughs> doesn't that give you like a pathway to citizenship or something? <laughs> I don't. Maybe I'll, if if uh, well, if citizenship didn't involve forced vaccination, I don't know, man. It's well, we'll see what happens. It's every day is crazy. Every um, it's it's like a bad dream. Yeah, yeah I mean, how, the how, part that concerns me is that. Uh, I mean, uh, even Russia now seems to be implementing all these restrictions, um, or at least considering them. But it's not; a, it's their thing. Is just, their thing is not a vaccine passport. It's actually just a just a QR code. But it doesn't. It's actually strictly related to the vaccine, and it expires in June of June first of twenty twenty two. So I, I, I mean, the people. It was on Russia Today, which is of all places, being critical of the Russian government was kind of strange. Um, but uh, I want to ask Ray about it. Let, let's see how it it. it um, Let's let's see how it develops because it's still a proposal. Uh, it still has to be voted on by their uh, Duma, which is their parliament. Mm-hmm. It hasn't become a law yet, but some people, like in the comments of Russia today, were saying, "Like, well, well, <laughs> what did you expect? <laughs> Putin is part of the same globalist agenda, just like everybody else, and so is China." So they're kind of saying, "Like, it's all the same." It's like you think there are these independent countries that are resisting the mandates and resisting the globalists, but they actually. They're all in the globalist pockets to various degrees. <laughs> I, I think that is true. But like uh, AMLO, the president here, apparently he doubled down on like coal burning and things. And so that's obviously not green agenda uh, bullshit. So, yeah, I, yeah. Well, I was just going to mention that. What, what's life like in D.C.? Um, I mean, largely, I don't want to say back to normal. I mean, you see a lot less people, um, fewer people on the street wearing masks um, about like two months ago. If I walk into a cafeteria or any other place, basically, they will. If I don't have a mask, they'll actually yell at me. Um, at this point, they, they simply don't care um, and kind of like let people, you know, go about their business. Some people would yell at you, but a lot fewer than than literally like two months ago. You would probably get like into a into a verbal fight or potentially even a a physical one, an altercation. Uh, and people like madly scream in your face, get out, you know, you're going <laughs> to get all of us killed. I, I don't see, I don't see that many of, you know, of those people anymore. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, it's like, look, this is a bubble, you know, as long as there's money floating around here, um, people are not going to feel the real pinch of inflation and, um, and, and shortages and whatnot. Uh, I'm thinking that, you know, you know, big, probably because all these politicians live here, um, if there are any food shortages or, or water shortages or, or, or drug shortages, this is probably the place, one of the last place to be place to get affected because um, the the powers that be, a lot of a lot of their um, minions and working staff actually live here, and, and I would imagine those would be the last ones to get sacrificed. So uh, um, I think this is a bubble. So like I wouldn't judge the rest of the country how things are unfolding there uh, based on what's going on in DC. I mean, um, I'm hearing Florida is about to withdraw from OSHA. Mm-hmm. Um, in order to protest the to protest the mandate, uh, which kind of kind of speaks spells trouble for the uh, legal challenges. I think some people have have a lot of hope in um, the courts blocking the mandate, um, but apparently, uh, DeSantis, the, the Florida governor, basically thinks it's it's not really a high chance that any of the courts the final he doesn't think that the final decision will be against the mandate. Mm-hmm. So he's saying it's kind of like a soft secession at least. Uh, from their, you know, um, parts of the federal um, government, which is the regulation of of um, uh, workplace safety, um, and and I don't know if this is even possible, but he's basically saying like we're going to withdraw from OSHA. I don't know how you do that, 
<laughs> because it's not like it's not like a membership, right? It's a federal agency that has jurisdiction over your state, the businesses in your state. And uh, if, if you withdraw from OSHA, it basically means withdrawing from virtually every other federal mandate there is. So to me, that sounds like a secession or at least a soft secession of some sort. Or at least they'll they'll probably stop complying with the OSHA's mandates. And then if, if OSHA tries to, to harass Florida businesses, I mean, I don't know what they're going to do. They, they may say, you know what, we're not going to pay the... We're not going to pay that fine, and I don't. I don't know if OSHA actually has uh, an enforcement arm, um, so they can say, "Hey, you owe this money," but guess the Florida business will say, "You know what? We're not going to pay." What are you going to do? I mean, if, if okay, maybe the federal agency can ban you from doing business federally, but if it's a local business that does business only in Florida, I'm not sure how much OSHA can do on a, uh, at a local level. At some point, it, it may become just like the that infamous. Um, you know, fiasco with the medical marijuana. California had it legalized, but the federal government, the DEA actually was still a hardcore drug, right? So they had like, they tried to raid several dispensaries in California and they called the local cops and the local cops started shooting at the DEA. <laughs> so it, it made the new, and I think that's actually what finally kind of um, turned the clock on the, the legalization of marijuana. It's the fact that the, the federal agents realized they may, they may, they will probably get shot at by the local police because the local police is with those businesses. So we'll see if something like that happens in Florida and other states opposing the mandates. We can move on after this, but I, I did want to talk to you about inflation. So what that seems to be this second uh, act of coronavirus is, um, and, there are, and the news stories are like, there's going to be inflation and food is not going to be gone and you better get used to it. Like it's not even, yep. it's, it's, they're prepping people to... Just that's the new normal. Food isn't going to be on the the in the grocery store shelves. So, what is your whole take on both of those things? I, I just never understood how can there be a temporary? Uh, what do they call the inflation will be transitory? <laughs> how can it be transitory if the economy is open and all that money that got printed is now in circulation? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so, of course, it's not going to be transitory. Now, I think they're finally admitting that it's not going to be transitory. I, I, I heard forty percent of the money in circulation was printed in this last year. Or something insane yeah. like that. Yes, yeah, so since the pandemic started. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So I interrupted you. Go keep going. I have no. I mean, and that's actually what makes me think that Russia and China are probably partly, at least partly, in on it, because if all this money has been printed, and if this country basically has outsourced all of its productive capacity and everything else, why would any other country agree to take worthless currency <laughs> that that the U.S. keeps printing? I mean, only one reason. If basically everybody, pretty much the entire world, is is under various levels of control of the globalist cabal mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, at the state level, right? I mean, like the population is, of course, different. They they, they treat us like slaves. But uh, as far as the actual power structures are, are concerned, um, I mean, I don't know of any country that's really said, you know what? No mandates, nothing. We don't recognize the pandemic. We're done. I don't know of any country like that. Mm -hmm. e even Russia and China, they continue to, you know, China recently started shutting down parts of, parts of the country uh, again, parts, some of their ports, right? I mean, it clearly hurts them economically. So, um, I don't know why would they do that, considering that they already realized. I mean, at some point, like even like what was it, the August twenty twenty? Weren't didn't we see these like videos of these massive parties in Wuhan oh, yeah, yeah. and all the other cities in China are basically rubbing it in our face, saying like, "Look, there is no pandemic. We're partying <laughs> like crazy." Uh, but now they're going back to uh, to locking down parts parts of the city, parts could, of some of the cities. Could it be an explanation that those? Um if the oligarchy of certain places sense that they can retain more power, they're going to, even if they know it's a fake pandemic or whatever, they're going to use that as an excuse to lock down or, or take more control. 
I mean, I, I would. I, I used to think that in China, the no matter how powerful the oligarchs are, it's the, basically the Communist Party will not tolerate any challenge to their own power, right? Mm-hmm. And that, that that's kind of that's kind of how it's been played over the last year. I mean, if you remember, Xi Jinping and and the party cracked down on many businesses. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jack Ma, who was probably the most visible of their of their uh, um, you know multi billionaires of their of their elite kleptocracy, mm-hmm. he disappeared. I don't know if it's if he's been seen since he disappeared. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he, may, he may actually be uh, swimming with the fishes, as the Italians <laughs> used to say. Um, and and basically, I mean, like at least the Chinese gave the impression that they're actually cracking down on industries that they thought were destabilizing the country and they're in service of foreign interests. Uh, but now look at the, you know, basically the, the lockdowns. Maybe they're just using them just like everybody else. It's the government that says, oh, more opportunity to implement even more draconian powers upon the citizens, the social credit score and all these other things. So uh, they're going to, you know, they're going to use that. What is it? uh, No good crisis. uh, Don't let any, any good crisis uh, go to waste or something. A a manual. What's what's his name? Yeah. Rami manual. Obama's chief of staff and then mayor of Chicago. And I don't know what he does now, but uh, yeah, pretty, uh, they say it's like a, like a true psychopath. <laughs> if they, if you ever meet one, they say people who work with him and even were part of his own party and they, they, you know were considered close to him said, uh, "I would not want to not not simply mess with this guy. I would not want to be with this guy alone in the room." Let's just put it this way. I think he was like the in the clique of um, nine eleven people that were had, had lots of control over everything that was going on with that. Yep. Okay. Um, do we need to talk about, is there, we haven't, we haven't chatted for like, has it been a month? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yep. It was like a, se- a series of unfortunate events and we didn't mean to take this time off or anything. It's uh just is what it is. Um, not, nothing else. To, I mean, of course we'll talk about idea labs and things like that, but n- n- nothing else you can think of. I mean, not politically. I mean, things here <laughs> are basically like, uh, it, it's almost like a calm before the storm. Yeah. I mean, people are nervous, but, but it seems like things are, Inside the bubble are, are, are back to normal with with the of course the children are still still wearing masks in schools but um so basically up until two days ago they were asking us to complete this form every day before the children go to school and they have to basically swear uh, under penalty of perjury that they're they didn't have fever they're not coughing uh, basically like uh, you have no knowledge of them testing positive for for COVID nineteen and whatnot uh, and basically two days ago they said you know what don't worry about this form. All you have to do is when when you show up at school to drop them off, give us thumbs up, and we know everything's cool. And I'm like, wow, it was that easy, you know? <laughs> thumbs up. How about we do the same thing about every other aspect of life that yeah. has been beset by COVID? That's um, yeah. That's, so just like that, literally, like just an email from the from the principal of the school saying like, no more forms, they're not needed. Um, yeah, and uh, oh, and basically, like she said that they're gonna ask the kids. If they have left the DMV area, which is like the DC area, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and if they if they have fever and if they have uh, symptoms of COVID, okay. My older my son, the elder one, is eight years old, so I guess he can answer some of these questions. My daughter is barely five. How would she know what a DMV is? How do we, how would she know if we left the DMV and it came back? And what even a DMV is? She doesn't even know what a fever means. Um, but anyways, it's obvious that basically they're kind of saying. We're letting go of, of this crap, right? But we're going to pretend like it's still there. But are you going to give us a thumbs up? We're going to give you the thumbs up. We're going to wink. And that's it. <laughs> that's wild. It's good to hear that things are moving in a better direction, though. 
Um, I would have said they're moving in a better direction. Like the, some aspects of life are basically getting normalized, but I think we're going to pay a price for that. I yeah. think basically what's coming is, um, you know, uh, there's food shortages, probably like the mandation. I mean, I suspect that the courts will not be able to throw uh, away the mandate. Um, I suspect the Supreme Court will sell us out. Ultimately, we'll probably get to that. Oh, uh, you know, Georgie, we just stopped streaming. We just went to zero. That is bizarre. Okay, I don't know if you guys can hear us or not. Um, let's just let's just wait a second. This is crazy. This is a better internet connection. Okay, now it seems to be going. No, it's back to zero. Oh fuck! Your neighbors are really abusing the connection for something. Th- that's the crazy thing. I'm not sharing this connection with anybody, as far as okay. you know. Uh, yeah, I guess you're right. Okay, now it seems to be back. Okay, guys, uh, let us know in the chat uh, what just happened. Did we? Did we drop? Uh, let's just give it a second. This is stimulating content. <laughs> okay, I think I think we're okay. Let's just keep going. Um, it's back now. Okay, what? Uh, I interrupted you again. What, what were you going to say? No, I said. I mean, some aspects of life seem to be getting back to normal. At least some of the restrictions seem to be melting away. But I think we're going to pay a price for that, and that that was probably going to be okay the inflation is not going away um so you can't have life go back to normal if now suddenly your, your salary doesn't buy like you know it buys only two-thirds of what you used to right um you know what I, something i want to say that i was wrong about i thought this end of the year would be hell and so i i pre prematurely predicted that i mean things are the with the vaccine stuff are not necessarily good but i thought we'd be experiencing even a worse situation and so uh but yeah, it's I, a month and a half more, yeah, man. Yeah, I, guess just, another, another I don't know why it's so go. so festive. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not saying plenty of time for them to <laughs> f things up completely. But I just thought it'd be even worse. Like, but again, it, things are not getting good. I, I agree with what you said earlier. That I think I think we'll look back on this time and be like, oh man, I wish I would have done that, or I wish I'd done done X Y Z or whatever. Because again, if like think of how psychotic people went with no toilet paper think of what's going to happen when people can't get like basic food items like water and stuff. People are going to go apeshit. Precisely what I said. I mean, several people on the forum said they're getting vaccinated because they want to be part of society. And I said, are you kidding me? What's society? And I uh, posted the link to the Joker from Batman, that famous speech, right? And I said, if people are willing to kill each other literally over toilet paper, can you imagine what happens if actually food shortages start? They will eat each other, just like you said. They will eat each other while waiting in line for like, uh, I don't know, for, for Cheetos, for yeah. bag of Cheetos. <laughs> and nobody's so, going to want to eat the tofurkey. And so that's the, that's right. That's uh, the well, problem. let's see. I mean, if there's nothing else to eat, what would you eat? <laughs> that's a, a qu- I would ask Ray that. I will say, listen, if everything is out in the local store, I don't know if you buy anything from the store, but let's say, um, speaking of milk, I know he's a big fan of milk, right? Yeah, uh-huh. I mean, local Whole Foods, basically, they're down to maybe two brands of organic milk. Um, and almost the entire wall that used to be all dairy products is now be almost completely replaced by all, by all plant based milks. Oh wow! Uh, yeah. So so I mean, basically, if milk becomes um, you know it disappears at some point, um, or let's say there's a severe food shortage, I want to ask Ray if you would eat tofurkey, <laughs> or if he's as adamant about tofurkey as he's about not getting the vaccine. I I bet he has a lot of food stocked up. If I were to guess. Uh, but, but who knows? Okay. Let's, uh, finally get to some of these articles. Um, 
What was the most popular uh, that you remember on like Twitter and stuff? Or which one are you most amped to talk about? I mean, they're all, they're all kind of, you know, they're all interesting. Um, but let's see. I thought the low testosterone and high estrogen um, T ratio predicts COVID mortality because mm-hmm. because that was actually a point that made they, uh, people, uh, doctors made very early on in the pandemic saying like, oh, uh, males are more like likely to uh, uh, to die from COVID-19 because of their high androgen levels. So guess what? <laughs> we're going to start these clinical trials and we're going to give men estrogen and progesterone. And guess what? All of the arms that were using estrogens, they all so- somehow mysteriously disappeared with no reports about them whatsoever. <laughs> the progesterone arms are still going. We're laughing about it, but I suspect men started dying in those arms, mm-hmm. and that's why that's why those trials were terminated. Mm-hmm. Uh, but needless, uh, regardless, the message to this day, if you talk to a doctor and even on Twitter, is basically MDs are saying androgens are, are detrimental because they're immunosuppressive. Well, guess what? It's not. It's actually low total testosterone levels or high estrogen estradiol, specifically to T ratio, is is predictive. Basically, is predictive of this hyperinflammatory state, which basically predicts mortality. You know, mm-hmm. it says an independent risk factor for in hospital mortality in such patients. And therefore, total testosterone and estrogen estradiol to testosterone ratio may serve as prognostic markers of disease severity in this population. Um, so much for the glory of Rome. Once again, this whole message that it's that it's excellent for you to be castrated, have zero testosterone levels, and be loaded up on estrogen as a male or female, actually for that matter, is somehow good for you. Well, uh, I remember seeing things saying like that they were giving estrogen to men, and that was a protective factor. Like uh, really, er- really early on, I feel like like maybe mid last year. We probably Those, mentioned all of these things have been terminated. Yeah. I try to search for them and try mm-hmm. to search for reports. Mm-hmm. It just says that it has basically the arm. So it was part of the there was a, there were it was multiple sites around the world, right? Mm-hmm. Some of them giving progesterone, others estrogen, some of them a combination. Uh, but the problem is <clears throat> the the description doesn't is not very clear. I don't even know if they were actually giving bioidentical progesterone. I suspect it was a synthetic progestin. Mm-hmm. Uh, be that as it may, the ones like the they were using. Uh, monotherapy of estrogen only, right? Only estrogen. Um, they've all been terminated as of now. Who could, who, enough. who could have guessed though, Georgie? We wouldn't have known unless it happened. <laughs> I know. No. Make sure you take a finasteride. Make sure you you basically undergo chemical castration at the age of 50 and everything will be fine. I think that's happening whether men like it or not. I So this is a new place. <laughs> yeah, I'm, it's true. A, a new place I'm living in. And, uh, I kind of, um, I, I asked if there were towers around here, but I, I didn't really get a clear answer. Anyway, there's two extremely close cell phone towers and the signal is like out of bounds high. It's like, in fact, in a, if I go up to the roof to like, um, sharpen a knife or something, I feel tension in my neck almost immediately upon going to the roof and the roof level of, uh, RF is really extremely high. Wow. I, I know somebody might think I'm insane, but I, I literally can feel it almost instantaneously. Just like tighten up my neck really quickly. And why are you sharpening knife on the roof? Like what that, exactly? That's are you my ready new for? bioenergetic hobby of sharpening, <laughs> sharpening <laughs> knives. I got whetstones and I'll wet them and then I'll uh, sharpen a knife. And that's my. Preparing for the apocalypse. Yeah, yes. Slicing exactly. up like aggressive. <laughs> Uh, US post, not US, but like Mexican postal gores. Well, that, yeah, that's what I have to deal with now, being attacked uh, with box cutters at the post office. From was this a gringo or not? I I really don't know where he was from. He had white skin. He didn't. His accent didn't strike me as uh, like just normal Spanish. 
uh, normal like Mexican Spanish. He, I think he was from Spain. That that's where he. Oh, he was a total psychopath. <laughs> and then w- I left. <laughs> I left the post office. It was on the corner waiting for a taxi to come because I had too much stuff from the post office. And he came out, and I was like, "Dude, stay away from me, dude." I was like, "Do you want to t- like talk about this?" And he's like. Uh, no, absolutely not. Like, fuck you. <laughs> and he walked off and I was like, dude, you're a psycho dude. And he's like, you have no idea. <laughs> wow. You should spread the rumor. He's, he's a DA agent. Mexicans <laughs> love them. They will take care of him. <laughs> okay. So, um, next article. What, uh, what are you thinking? Uh, let's see. Oh, the vitamin D3. I think this will reignite again. <laughs> well, you know, I have more to say, but let's talk about this first, then we can talk about that. Um, okay. What? Okay. Go for it. Yes. Let me scroll down through the quotes because <laughs> I think that they're pretty they're pretty explicit. Basically, they're saying that so so basically the calcitriol stimulates the expression of 11 beta HSD1, which is the enzyme that that increases that, that synthesizes cortisol mm-hmm, mm-hmm. from the inactive one, cortisone. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the difference is there's at position 11, cortisone, because it ends in O-N-E-1, has a ketone group, right? And cortisone actually itself has been shown to be an anti-glucocorticoid. It actually acts as an antagonist at the glucocorticoid receptor. However, when you're in a, in a reductive state, this enzyme, 11-beta-HSD1, uses like basically a hydrogen ion and attaches it to, to position 11 and it becomes a hydroxyl group, right? Mm-hmm. So that's, that is the fully active cortisol or hydrocortisone as, as some, as uh, some, some doctors call it. Um, and basically it shows uh, that calcitriol has these effects, but cholecalciferol does not. And then the second study shows that basically the vitamin D3 and only vitamin D3 um, counteracted some of the catabolic effects of dexamethasone, which is a very powerful synthetic glucocorticoid on the muscle, right? So we have basically, and also the calcitriol um, uh, uh, caused thymic atrophy, uh, while cholecalciferol did not. Um, so I don't know what else needs to be said to put this debate to eight. I don't know if it, if it will ever end, but basically the end product of vitamin D3 metabolism um, is actually uh, detrimental um, to muscle and thymus, and the likely explanation, my explanation, that's why I, I highlighted the 11-beta-HSD1, is that it increases the synthesis of cortisol because cortisol is is catabolic for both the muscle and the thymus, but probably thymus more. The first thing that you lose when you go on fasting is your thymus gland. And then muscles, and only the last thing that you lose is fat. So, again, when people go into extreme fasting regimens, um, you will eventually probably get yourself to be skinny fat and immunosuppressed before I actually started losing serious amounts of fat. Didn't we talk about an article with uh, vitamin D lowering cortisol with the, that's, that was breaking down the liver uh, a few, maybe a few months yeah, ago? Yeah, there is one. Yeah, yeah. I have a, another one. Uh, it, may, it may be linked here like somewhere in the in the blog post. But it showed that protected the liver, the vitamin D, colicalciferol specifically, protected the liver, uh, and I may mention it here, protected the liver from the um, toxic effects of cortisol. Um, and actually, the interesting is that that article showed that if if you if you administer even a minor a mild dosage of cortisol to the rats, their liver their liver enzymes get elevated, which makes me think that considering that obesity is rising and NAFLD like uh, elevated liver enzymes are are 
are a, a huge epidemic in the population, and the doctors like, oh, you need to eat less, et cetera, et cetera. But again, weight gain and basically, the, if the, especially central obesity, is a hallmark of high cortisol. And if high cortisol can also cause the elevated liver enzymes as it in the rats, maybe again we're back to the endocrine issue. It's like what we're seeing is just signs slash symptoms of high cortisol. Um, and it's cortisol that's damaging the liver. Imagine all of these patients with COVID-19 getting in the hospital and getting administered dexamethasone as a standard therapy. Um, think of what, that. aside from probably killing them by through immunosuppression, it destroys the liver, des destroys their thymus, and, and it destroys probably a good deal of their muscle. So to me, that explains long, long COVID a, long, a lot better than some mysterious side effects of the virus. Yeah, well, we're talking about vitamin D. Shout out to my article here. Uh, that I wrote and it was like a therapeutic exercise to write this article. And so I think I was annoyed, like suddenly annoyed over a long period of months. And then I wrote this article and literally it like was complete relief afterwards. I was like, okay, you know, I'm done. I have nothing. You know, it's, you know, it's actually standard therapy prescribed by psychiatrists <laughs> to keep a diary of things and write them out. Like of what really bothers you. Uh, so you, you inadvertently discovered <laughs> what other people pay for. Well, I think you were being my, and some other people were being like pseudo therapist. I was like, ah, oh, I don't know. Blah, 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 about vitamin D. And then, uh, writing this was just extremely helpful. And I appreciate you, Jay Feldman, Mike Fave, um, oh, and the primitive initiative, uh, AKA Ozan, I sent it to them, to all of you guys just to get some feedback. And so I sincerely appreciate it because I got a lot of good feedback that I wouldn't have gotten otherwise. Anyways. Okay. So this article is on dannyrotty.substack.com, which is where we post all the podcasts and, uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, let's talk about, let's do, okay. Let's do a quick advertisement real fast. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay, dannyride.substack.com. You can subscribe and get email sent when we post new episodes here. You can, I do coaching on patreon.com slash dannyroddy. You can follow me at the Danny Roddy web blog on Instagram and then Danny, Danny Roddy on Telegram, which I'm fairly active on. And then we have Idea Lab. So, Georgie, a lot of people have been asking me for you to talk about the new chemical 11 something or other. I don't, I, I don't know how to say it. Well, oh, 10 methoxyharmalab. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I but, mean, there's an older study from the, I think, 1960s, only one really that show, that says, well, I mean, only one in vivo that says basically that this this chemical is is almost as potent as LSD. Um, and basically usage, it's only about, um, it's, it's about half as potent as LSD. Mm -hmm. So a typical pharmacological dosage of LSD is about 200 micrograms. Um, and then if this is, if, if you need a two times higher dosage, that basically means about 400 micrograms would be a potent pharmacological dose for antagonizing um, serotonin. And they showed in vivo anti-serotonin effects. And then some people started posting studies uh, that tested only the receptor activity. And there is a, you know, uh, some studies claim that uh, the effects on the uh, uh, serotonin receptor 2, it seems to be weak. However, if you look at the structural of the structure of the molecule, it's very it's very similar to the five uh, HT uh, three antagonist known as ondansetron. So, if you want, I mean, you can show on the screen just to compare the two if people are interested. Uh, but my suspicion is that it's it's probably antagonist on that receptor and also potentially inhibiting the enzyme tryptophan hydroxylase because you don't get such potent in vivo anti serotonin effects. Um, without having basically a very strong 
antagonistic activity at the receptor level or inhibiting the uh, uh, the, synthesis, the synthesis of serotonin. Um, and then there is a, uh, a a doctor was learning a clinical trial, an unlicensed clinical trial in France, using 10 methoxyharmalan to treat Alzheimer's disease and Parkinson's disease, and he got busted. Because somebody, yeah, somebody told the authorities he this guy is running, uh, you know, an unlicensed clinical trial. Now the the chemical is fully legal so far. You can buy it from large chemical vendors like Sigma Aldrich, Fisher Scientific, uh, Cayman Chemicals, uh, Alpha Azar. Um, I mean, you, you you choose your your favorite chemical vendor, and they will probably have it. Um, I don't see anything in ter- in terms of being restricted anywhere in the world. But that guy, the doctor in France. They used the fact that he actually recruited people and and ran basically an underground clinical trial with about 200 people for Parkinson and for Alzheimer's. They busted him, but guess what? The official the official charges against him are not related to the trial. Are the official charges against him is that he's insane, and they put him in a mental institution. <laughs> so, long story short, basically another another serotonin antagonist or. You know, another anti-serotonin chemical with the exact mechanism still being unknown, but at least one study confirms potent serotonin, anti-serotonin effects in vivo comparable to those of, of LSD, but without the hallucinogenic effects. Good to hear. And then I have a question. So we were chatting a little bit about, um, like, apparently, I don't know this for a fact, but apparently Thorne is ma- mandating their vaccine for their employees or whatever. And I've been yeah. using the Thorne vitamin K for a long time but I never take it orally because it contains MCT oil in it. And so I wrote you and I was like, Hey, Georgie, are you thinking of maybe making a vitamin K supplement with olive oil? And then your thoughts on that are. Yes. We will be releasing a version of quinone that will be, uh, the current version is basically a mixture. It has, it uses a solvent, which is a mixture of saturated fatty acids and, and ethanol. Uh, and most people are okay with that, but, uh, I know there's been a demand because I've been getting these emails too, saying, hey, why, why don't you have um, like an olive oil version or at least some kind of other oil version, palm oil, um, you know, or, you know, even even if it's like the high oleic version of canola oil, mm-hmm. it's very similar to olive oil in terms of uh, fatty acid composition, anything but MCT um, or, or like the current ethanol version. So we'll just have it as another option. I mean, I guess I'll call one of them. Uh, basically, you know, quinone parenthesis ethanol, and the other one will be quinone parenthesis extra virgin, and I emphasize it will be organic olive oil. So a avo, but with three o's instead of two. Can it be labeled like Danny non plus? Maybe possible. Like sure, sure. <laughs> <laughs> that would just really, yeah, that would really seal the deal. Anyway, so I'm, I think you're going to be my new supplier of vitamin K, so I will be purchasing a lot of that from you to give a go and. Yeah, I mean, and I, by the way, I want to note that we have not changed the quinone price since we launched it. And considering the inflation just for this year alone so far is like 14, 15%. And then for 2020, there was already also a very high inflation. People keep asking me, like, why don't you give us discounts? I have been giving you discounts because <laughs> I haven't changed the price since 2014, I think, when we first launched it. So that's seven years of selling it at the same price, considering that it, there has always been inflation. The CPI is bunk. It's completely fraudulent. Mm-hmm. So every single year that I have not raised the price of, at least for this product, effectively people have been getting a discount. It has been compounded uh, over over the last seven years. So I'm sorry that I cannot lower literally the prices, but my costs keep rising 
and I'll do what I can to not pass them on to the to the end consumer. And then is the the K substance you use from ger- gerontol, or is it that plant or whatever? Uh, which one? Like uh, the vitamin K. Like what is the sub? Or where do you get? If you want to say, I don't know. I don't know if you don't want to, but like the. Well, no, you- it's it's synthes- it's synthetic. It's basically completely lab made. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. But did, we got a lab to make it specifically for us because all of the other ones that are sourced from raw materials, mm-hmm. right now all the suppliers are out, uh-huh. um, probably due to basically due to the supply chain disruptions. Mm-hmm. So so there is there is something to be said about being able to actually make it de novo in a lab, uh, and that's how we, that's how we do it. We have a contract with the lab, and they synthesize just for us. Interesting, nice. Okay, uh, follow Georgie on Twitter, twitter.com slash hate it. And that's, and we've been streaming for about an hour, maybe half an hour because of the, okay, it's eight, nine o'clock. Okay. Uh, and just let me sure we're still streaming here. Okay, looks good. <laughs> okay, next article. What, what, what do you think? Uh, didn't the endotoxin causing, basically leading to cancerization directly of normal cells? I mean, we all know Pete's been writing about endotoxin since basically there's no article in which he doesn't mention endotoxin in one shape, form, or another, right? That's why he's so gung-ho about the carrot the carrot salad, keeping the gut clean, antibiotics, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But again, it comes down to inflammation. And uh, if you don't do the so the two the two uh, sources of inflammation, so to speak, are the two major ones are what? PUFA, right? A direct precursor of inflammatory mediators, and endotoxin. So in other words, even if you're not eating PUFA, if you're basically if your digestion is not working properly and undigested food, especially starches, reach your colon, PUFA or not, you're going to be producing endotoxin, and that thing activates the inflammatory cascade. Um, so, needless to say, these two factors, PUFA and endotoxin, are very well discussed and represented in virtually all of his writings. Uh, and he's been saying for decades that that he thinks that basically, and didn't he quote either Hans Selye? Or somebody else saying that basically that it's uh, somebody who studied the Native American Indians who, who, who was of the opinion that something in the gut, some kind of a component of, of a bacterial metabolism in the gut is what causes, is basically in, um, begets the, the cancer process. I forgot who the researcher was, but he I think he has it in one article. I th- um, think you're right. I can't and, recall who. And a direct evidence so far has been lacking. I mean, every the study that I posted, it, it, it says, yes. We've been talking about chronic low-grade inflammatory response for decades. We know it's involved in cancer, but we've never been able to directly prove it. And the interesting thing here is that it was only the low-dose endotoxin, which is what you get for most people, the chronic low-grade inflammatory response that contributed to the carcinogenesis. Why? Because the high-dose endotoxin that administered activated the immune system, and my guess is that the immune system destroyed the cancer cells, if any were formed. Mm -hmm. But the low one, simply little by little nudge the cancer cells to the point of forming a established tumor. And at that point, the, you know, the, the, I mean, the immune system probably still keeps it under control, keeps it from spreading, but it couldn't destroy it. While at a higher dose basically activated the immune system. And, um, you know, there's th- this thing called tumor necrosis factor alpha, mm-hmm. which actually is known to be able to kill tumor cells, but also cause cancerization when present in low amounts. In high amounts, kills them, uh, hence the name. Um, and uh, this study, to my knowledge, is the first one that directly demonstrates the carcinogenic potential of low-grade endotoxemia, something that would not even show up on most tests. And I opined earlier in the blog post, like, okay, so how, how would you know if you have low-grade endotoxemia? Believe it or not, the levels of HDL, 
are very are a very good biomarker um, because you know a lot of doctors are like, oh yes, you want your LDL as low as possible and your HDL as high as possible. Guess what? That's completely bogus. The, the number of diseases where high HDL is known to be a very good biomarker predictive of impending mortality. Hepatitis is one of them. HIV slash AIDS, if it even exists, is another one, right? Um, uh, and basically, chronic alcoholics with with uh, significant uh, already formed cirrhosis, they also tend to have uh, uh, relatively high levels of HDL. Why? But guess what? HDL carries the endotoxin back to the liver for detoxification. So high levels of endotoxin, I'm sorry, high levels of HDL, and they don't need to be very high, the upper 25th percentile, which doctors absolutely love, or even slightly above, it's probably a good indication that you have too much endotoxin for comfort. For comfort. Wasn't estrogen the exact same way? The low dose was actually more toxic to, than the huge doses? But but uninterrupted, uh, right? Yeah, because yeah. basically like the, so the high dosage of estrogen is directly cytotoxic. You cannot form cancer. But the low dose un, uh, 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 in an uninterrupted fashion was invariably carcinogenic if, if allowed to go unopposed for a significant amount of time. That's fascinating. I, I didn't know that. Um, okay. Any other things to say about this one? Not really. I mean, it's, uh, some people that, that uh, I've been getting emails about like, okay, yeah, you guys keep talking about endotoxin, but guess what? My doctor said, it's not a problem as long as my liver is healthy. Well, uh, <laughs> it, it is a problem actually, especially if it's, if it's low, right? If you have very, a lot, a very high amount of endotoxin in the bloodstream, you will probably have septicemia. Uh, the, the the cytokine storm and God forbid you know be in a hospital in multi multi organ failure and potentially dead. So you will know if you have really high grade endotoxemia. But in the low grade, you should worry about, and that's the one that you can potentially monitor with the HDL blood test. Fantastic stuff. Uh, okay, um, what else here? Let's see. And then your serotonin one is up here, the antidepressant one that you sent me last. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is uh, if you want to talk about that. So another another study which demonstrates that the oh, no, I think they just lost Georgie. Can you guys? Oh god, what is happening? Am I still on the chat? Oh, just a minute. Georgie, you're back. Okay, this is this is fucking crazy. I'm back. Yeah, okay, uh, it just went out for a second, but uh, just restart whatever you're gonna say. Yeah, I was gonna say that another study demonstrates that the officially, uh, uh, the official mechanism of action that we've been told for the antidepressants is is false. So this study demonstrated that demonstrated that the antidepressants, the SSRI specifically, they do have an anti-anxiety effect. But guess what? It, they they achieved that by raising dopamine. And now the question is, so so there is another, and actually I would argue that, that that's how they actually act as antidepressants, because this dopamine that's the antidepressant factor, not serotonin. But uh, uh, they showed that basically, uh, I mean, the authors of this study, can you hear me? Yeah, your picture just froze. Oh, <laughs> shit. What is going on? Uh, now you're back. I have I have no idea. This is bizarre. The the, yeah. the the connection's not dropping. Just the just the Skype is dropping. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm on the wire connection. I know. I'm sure. It's, I, and it's, I don't get notification <laughs> that the connection is poor. Skype I, would warn me. I know. I know. I, I couldn't. I couldn't tell you what's going on. We'll just have to barrel through it. I mean, if it happens again, so yeah. I, go ahead. If it happens, well, I mean, anyways. Long story <laughs> short, if these drugs work, 
it's probably by raising dopamine and not serotonin. That's the long story, the well, short story. But wasn't the more plausible explanation that they raise cortisol and that can temporarily cause kind of a euphoric type of situation? Sure. Uh, but this one, actually, the even more interesting part is that the authors of the study think, because they actually structure it as a placebo study, some of the uh, the people that were there were told that they were taking a a, a beneficial placebo, right? Mm-hmm. And it was it was basically the, the people who were told the truth all, uh, those were the ones whose dopamine rose, mm-hmm. and those are the ones who improved. The ones that were lied to did not. So now the the the, the researchers are not certain uh, whether the the drugs have this effect or whether being honest with the patients and treating them like humans um, was actually the beneficial part. I would say the latter. I'm like, wow, what a what a what a major discovery! If you treat people like people, and if you don't oppress them, who was that? Didn't Pete had an article? of this guy Virchow being sent to Poland to investigate the health of the nation. He came back and said the Poles would have no health issues if their government stopped suppressing them. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> it's in, it's actually in one of Pete's articles. The Poles, literal quote, the Poles will have no health issues if only the government stopped oppressing them. Well, that gets into like the topic of... Um Oh, why do you need to do X, Y, and Z? Like, uh, like, shouldn't you diet and stuff be enough to fix your health? But, but I think a lot of the times we're talking on this show about the environment being so awful and then kind of the tyrannical nature of where things are headed being another awful aspect of that's contributing to ill health. It's not just like, oh, you take some thyroid and you eat a certain diet and therefore everything is fixed. You're, you're, it's like a huge uphill battle that probably can never be won because we, we live in the farthest thing away from an optimal environment. You cannot be well adjusted to a, what, what was that? To a profoundly sick society. Who yeah, said that? Uh, uh, Maslow or something like that. Yeah. Maslow. Yeah. So being well adjusted to a profoundly sick society is no measure of health. Isn't it something, something like that? That's what he said. Yeah. So, so it's the thyroid and the anti-serotonin. All these things are basically just allowing you to fight yeah. so the, the expression. I mean, the example with the learned helplessness with the rats, so once they give up, they drown very quickly. But if you show them that another rat escaped, or if you give them an anti-serotonin chemical, then they fight and and, and swim incessantly. Great stuff. Okay, uh, one ten. And uh, what other articles? Maybe the um, uh, omega omega three increased risk of a- atrial fibrillation. <laughs> <laughs> so this is one of the largest clinical uh, l- largest meta studies to date. And they basically discovered that, you know, like the, uh, you know, despite the, the omega-6 getting all the bad rep, first of all, if doctor even admits that polyunsaturated fats are bad, that doctor will probably lay the blame squarely at omega-6 and say, it's the omega-3 to the omega-6 ratio you need to worry about. Make sure you eat more fatty fish. And then, you know, you raise your omega-3 and everything will be fine. Crap. It's complete bunk. It's actually even more dangerous. The only reason you don't feel their immediate effects is that they get peroxidized before they even get chance get a chance to get incorporated in your tissues. Um, and this study showed that actually uh, a high intake of omega-3 fatty acids um, is, is very strongly correlated to uh, – is basically a, a significant risk factor of developing atrial fibrillation. Um, and it's the effect is dose-dependent. So the more fatty fish you eat as your doctor wants you, the higher the chance you, one day you will be showing up there and asking him for Xarelto or whatever other toxic drug uh, they're selling at the time. And speaking of Xarelto, remember the, the, the Slate.com article, even Slate had a huge 
um, article on that, how the entire trial, clinical trial for Zarelto is fraudulent, mm -hmm. is being fraudulent. The FDA knows about it and try to sue the journalists <laughs> who asked the question of why did you proceed with approving that drug? So, uh, yeah. So either way, that's speaking of the environments, they get you one way or another, right? If you, if you, you know, uh, you eat that food that they tell you to eat and then you get, you know, in the medical system to take Zarelto and that's it. After you take Zarelto for a while, it depletes your vitamin K, which leads to uh, soft tissue calcification. And then you're a patient of the cardiovascular industry for life. And then you're using paper towels with BPA on them. And you don't even know about it for years. Oh, and then you're <laughs> fighting people in line for those paper towels that are toxic, <laughs> but you're still beating the shit out of each other over them. <laughs> Okay, so what? Uh, what if somebody was like, because uh, because again, a lot of people are getting into Ray every day. What would be your elevator pitch for the harm of omega threes? Like, what is what's the easy breakdown? The I mean, I would I would refer to that old study that showed that the basically the fatty acids are hormone like compounds, and basically the 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 they're, they have um, you know uh, either estrogenic or anti or androgenic effect, and their level of estrogenicity, even though they're not capable of directly binding the estrogen receptor, but they have, uh, I mean, there's there's a study right there, both are remarkably estrogenic, toxic to the ovaries. So their functional effects, they're basically the way, the end effects of po the polyunsaturated fats are almost identical to estrogen and they're synergistic with each other. Um, and basically that old study demonstrated that, that the degree of estrogenicity uh, matches the degree of unsaturation. So the more unsaturated, the more estrogenic they are and the more anti-androgenic they are. So since omega-3 are more unsaturated, they have another extra double bond than the omega-6. Uh, yes, when they when they get metabolized, they can also get metabolized through the COX and LOX enzymes. And yes, omega-3 produce less inflammatory uh, prostaglandins, uh, eicosanoids in general than the omega-6, but their direct estrogenic effects are stronger than the omega-6. And basically, multiple studies have shown that a consumption of of high of diet high in omega three is correlated is a very an independent is independent risk factor for a number of different skin cancers, especially highly aggressive melanoma, uh, which was uh, you know to this day, if you ask an oncologist, they'll tell you melanoma is not an endocrine cancer. But yet another study posted on the forum about three years ago, straight straight up said melanoma is an estrogen driven cancer. And the doctors should have been, should have known, should have been realized this by now because most of the active melanomas show up on, on body areas that never see direct sunlight. Mm -hmm. And the, the double bonds of the fats, like why the, the degree of unsaturation, is that because they promote lipid peroxidation? That's yeah, they're easily peroxidizable mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. those double bonds get easily attacked by molecular oxygen. Mm -hmm. And that um, damages mitochondria, which produce the, the steroids that oppose estrogen? Yeah, all, all, all of these peroxidation products, they're toxic. They're directly toxic to the cell. Even mm -hmm. if you, I mean, basically, even if they weren't just by being a component of the cellular membrane, because they're unsaturated, they, they increase the affinity of the cell for water, remember? Mm -hmm. So basically, the, the more unsaturated the fat, the more hydrophilic it is, right? Or at least the the it's less lipophilic. Pick one. I mean, they basically mean the same thing. And conversely, the more saturated the fat, if it's ideally fully saturated, the more lipophilic it is and the more hydrophobic it is and the more protected the cell is. The cell should be a very selective filter of what goes inside of it, it's especially water, right? Because if the cell intakes water, it swells, and that's, that's one of the uh, cardinal... A primordial signals to start dividing and growing.
uh, not in a good way, in a non-differentiated non, non way. And the more of these unsaturated fats you have as part of the cell, the more uh, hydrophilic the cell becomes, and basically the higher the affinity of the cell for water, and less, and the less structured it is, the more chaotic, uh, the less it looks like a liquid crystal, and the more the cell actually looks like bulk water. Um, and if you look at cancer cells on an MRI, Actually, that's how that's how the MRI de detects them. Basically, the 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 water inside of the cell of the cancer cell, it's not the structured water that Gilbert Link and Gerald Pollack talk about. Uh, they call it easy, right? Exclusion zone water, easy water. Um, basically, this the water inside cancer cells is bulk water. It's more like bulk water. It shows no structure um, and basically cannot support proper cellular function. So the more unsaturated fats you eat the more basically uh, the closer you're getting to a cancer cell. And eventually it becomes a cancer cell, even without the hormonal effects. But being so estrogenic, um, in 2001, NIH, it, it's still to this day on its page, that NIH declared estradiol a genotoxic mutagenic carcinogen. So why are we even arguing? Well, like, why is this even a debate if the government itself says this is a carcinogen? Uh, yet the human, uh, the hormone replacement therapy industry says, ah, uh, Forget about it. Don't don't talk about this page. We have <laughs> billions of drugs here to sell. The Women Health Initiative study, all fake. They administered the wrong dosage or the wrong type or the wrong what whatever it is. Well, let's get back to yeah. HRT is a, is, is making a comeback, uh, specifically estrogen estrogen therapy for uh, women. And we're not talking about the birth control pills. Estrogen therapy for menopausal or premenopausal women. Uh, it's terrible, but they've managed to kind of like go around these. Uh, the largest, uh, basically the largest hormonal study ever conducted, the Women's Health Initiative study, uh, conclusively showed estrogen is carcinogenic, risk to cardiovascular disease, Alzheimer's disease, Parkinson's disease, none of that matter. Uh, basically, it's old news. Uh, what was the Trump expression? It's old news. Re you repeat it's old news until, uh, uh, no, I'm sorry, you repeat that it, it's fake news until it becomes old news and people no longer care. <laughs> anyway, long story short, the more unsaturated fat in a cell the more it will be less able to regulate its water economy and the protein water interaction structure. is what's structuring the cell. And so, and then also on top of that, it damages every part of respiration that you can think of. Yeah. yeah. And all of the byproducts, if it gets peroxidized, all of these aldehydes and the other uh, met metabolites that, that basically get produced from these unsaturated fats, they're all directly toxic to the cell. Mm -hmm. And some of them are directly carcinogenic. Mm -hmm. Aldehydes, Probably the most known one is acetaldehyde, which is a, a the intermediate step in the metabolism of alcohol, mm -hmm. well-known carcinogen. And the uh, medical industry thinks this is what explains alcohol's carcinogenic effects. It's not true. It's really the in increase in endotoxin and the fact that it's serotonergic and increases fatty acid oxidation and uh, suppresses glucose, all these things together, right? But still, the acetaldehyde, unknown human carcinogen, and most of the aldehydes, especially the ones produced from these unsaturated fats, are, are also carcinogens and often much more potent than acetaldehyde. Fantastic stuff. Okay, um, let's do a two or three more and then get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we, if we have... Oh, yeah, the serotonin have... thread works maybe the cause of inflammatory bowel disease, ah, Parkinson's okay, yeah, yeah. and diabetes. Okay, perfect. I think that's great because uh, it's a great study uh, because anytime there is a digestive issue, y you can bet that serotonin is involved, right? And even though some some um, gastrointestinal specialists uh, admit that because now the very famous and, and um, oh, I, I want to call it a fad condition, irritable bowel syndrome, mm -hmm. right? 
uh, is now known to respond very quickly and very robustly to anti-serotonin drugs. Uh, but aside from that, basically the doctors are saying, no, serotonin is good for you. Um, you know, it's basically the serotonin in the in the uh, in the gut is good. The serotonin in the brain is also good. Um, they protect from all these diseases, et cetera, et cetera. But they forget that drug. What was the name? Zelnor. Zelnor, yeah. Which is actually a serotonin agonist, which wreaked havoc during the clinical trials. The data, the safety data, got suppressed. Never got shared, or, or at least um, you know the claim is that it never got shared with the FDA. I think the FDA is lying. It, it got it, it got shared and it still got approved. Um, and basically, I think it killed a few people and eventually got withdrawn. Um, and it was developed as a way to treat a number of different digestive uh, ailments, including they had high hopes that it will it will treat um, inflammatory bowel disease or at least manage its symptoms, is what the doctors uh, say. Oh, there we go. Breast so, cancer, so, yeah. suicide. Zelnorm yeah. side effects, abdominal pain, chest pain, <laughs> flushing, facial edema, hypertension, hypotension, angina, angina pectoris, syncope, syncope. Syncope. Syncope, arrhythmia, arrhythmia anxiety, vertigo, ovarian cysts, uh, breast cancer, attempted suicide. <laughs> and uh, Ray says, uh, in the U.S., Novartis estimated estimates that Zelnorm tablets will sell for somewhere in the range of 3 to $4 each. The drug is expected to generate $1 billion in annual sales for Novartis. But I think that's, I mean, that's an old article which he, ha which he hasn't updated. I think Zelnorm has been withdrawn um, officially from the market. Can you look at the Wikipedia page? It should say. Yeah, it was subsequently withdrawn in 2007. How Ray wrote that in 2012? Uh, or, yeah. Okay. That's well, no, it says, I mean, I think the copyright is, uh, he usually, uh, but he, it's when was it was last updated. I don't know if it was when he wrote it, because I actually read that article in 2011 on the Zell norm. I remember when I, first, when, I, when I was first getting into Pete. I remember mm -hmm. reading the article, and it was early 2011. So mm -hmm. that copyright 2012 it may be when he was last updated because he he does change the references. Great. Was that was that everything on that article? <laughs> no, I mean basically the article demonstrated that actually high serotonin levels in the gut are directly uh, basically are direct causes of flare-ups of of Crohn's disease, and they cite uh, evidence from animal studies saying that serotonin not only causes the flare-ups but it can actually cause that condition to appear. And they list ulcerative colitis as the mouse model, you know, a microscopic colitis right there. But the most important part is they're saying the use of selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, the infamous SSRI drugs, is associated with microscopic colitis. So if SSRIs are the most popular drugs ever prescribed to everybody and their mother, right? Uh, and now we know that we have an epidemic of inflammatory bowel disease in the Western world. Well, what more than that do you need? I mean, this study ties the two together and says, well, you know, um, uh, you know, being under stress is bad, right? Because it raises serotonin. Eating foods that raise your endotoxin is bad because it raises serotonin, right? All of these things are bad. But above all, what is the thing that will keep your serotonin chronically elevated? The SSRI. And these drugs are everywhere. Yeah. So in, in what would cause an overproduction of serotonin in the intestine, obviously chronic irritation or an infection or low carbon dioxide uh, leaking. Uh, so mechanical mm -hmm. uh, injuries. So in other words, you don't have to uh, you don't have to have a person punch you in the stomach to, to get high <laughs> serotonin, even though that works, too. Running. 
basically like so shaking, uh, basically uh, twisting, r- rubbing, uh, any kind of a, any kind of a mechanical stress. And a lot of people will probably think like something severe, some, something like a really serious mechanical stress is needed. It's not. Uh, so what else? Oh, uh, fasting, basically. Um, stress scaring yourself because that d- decreases the blood flow to the to the intestine to concentrate in the heart and the brain. And as a result, serotonin production rises again. So anything that basically, um, uh, what you call it, upsets your stomach, for lack of a better word, anything that accepts your GI tract, whether it's the, whether it's the uh, some kind of a food that doesn't sit right with you, or you ran for too long. By the way, ra- uh, massive, violent diarrhea is a very common symptom uh, for, for long distance runners. Um, I don't know if you've seen the pictures of the marathon and triathlon <laughs> runners shitting themselves while running, you know, uh, everywhere. It's it's not a rare event. Let me um, look it up. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just type marathon runner crapping themselves and go to Google Images. I mean, this is not one or two runners. This is very common. Yeah, I, um, I used to do cross country. That Not necessarily shitting themselves, but peeing and weird, weird stuff like that would happen in those high school cross country. I mean, country. cross country, what? You run maybe, what, 10 miles or yeah, something? about 10, yeah. Yeah, 10. Um, like half marathon and marathon then you start getting crapping yourself because that serotonin <laughs> rises a lot. I mean, look, it's a combination of stress and low carbing because you've, at that point, you've solidly depleted your carbs and you're running on fatty acid oxidation, uh, which by itself also it triggers serotonin production by displacing tryptophan from albumin, as we've discussed before. Um, so, uh, so, so, uh, so again, so mechanical stress, right? Um, twisting, hitting, jerking, uh, vibrating, basically things like that. So riding in a car for too long, that is, that is also enough to to trigger that. It's not a coincidence that when people in a car ride, despite not really being metabolically active and running around and whatnot, they often feel the need, much more often than when they're actually walking around, they feel the need to pee and go to the bathroom mm-hmm. um, for other, for for num- number two as well. That is, that is a, you know, that's because of the, 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 the they're, they're very fine vibrations of the car, but the intestine actually feels them. Um, so, you know, being in a car for several hours, um, more than two or three hours, I think is enough. Um, what else? Eating starchy food, anything that gets to the colon undigested, actually, even if it's well digested because starch can absorb in the bloodstream, right? Especially if the, if the, if the gut barrier is compromised, it can trigger an inflammatory reaction outside of the GI tract. And that also is enough to trigger, uh, the synthesis of serotonin everywhere. Uh, and it's been shown that the prostaglandins and, and histamine can actually trigger the synthesis of serotonin. So you don't have to actually necessarily do something uh, localized to the intestine to get the high serotonin. Just stressing yourself, right, we, as we said, um, or like injuring your arm or like your leg, even though it's far away, if it's a severely, if it's a severely bad wound. Just the stress of it would trigger the, the increase of serotonin. But if it starts getting inflamed, if you get like a toothache or something, if you have like a root canal, if you have like a like a really infected tooth, that is a very uh, uh, is a very well known uh, trigger of serotonin synthesis and a, a lot of other uh, bad things. Um, but yeah, so any anything that upsets you mentally or physically, uh, serotonin will rise because that is the primordial painkiller and the signal that. Things are not good. Uh, let's focus on the pain and let's ignore everything else. And did we go over things to just to, to wrap it up? Uh, things that lower serotonin? Um, well, I mean, if it's in the GI tract, since 90% is produced there, charcoal will probably do well. Insoluble fiber will do well. 
the antibiotics, some of them have direct anti-serotonin effects. Um, and of course, the anti-serotonin chemicals, like uh, probably cyproheptanin is famous one, very famous one. But famotidine lately has been making the news more in regards to treating COVID-19. And even though they're they're basically mystified, oh, what possible mechanism could make an anti-acid drug treat COVID-19? But the mechanism of anti-serotonin drugs being helpful is already known, even though it's heavily suppressed. But if you type serotonin COVID-19, you'll find the studies, right? Uh, so if, if cyproheptanin has already been used successfully, uh, and famotidin is also a powerful anti-serotonin chemical, through still an unknown mechanism, but the anti-serotonin effects have been confirmed in a human, um, then basically that would explain why famotidine helps for COVID-19. And it's over-the-counter You can in most countries. You can probably get it in most, quote-unquote, developed countries because, as it turns out, we're really not that developed. We're developed only for war. <laughs> developed back <laughs> Nothing backwards. related with humanity <laughs> and civilization. We peaked in, uh, when was the CIA created? 1947? Like, yeah. I think it was over after that. <laughs> <laughs> it was all yeah basically like the, the plan was already is it was already set to destroy the world i think pete said that that as far as you know the 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 average person's street uh, average person's life on every person's average person on the streets lives peaked in the 50s it, didn't he say like it, it, it was in around the early 50s when he thought that we as in the as as in the americas we had everything that we needed and nothing we didn't yeah, well did you see uh, somebody posted it in the um email exchange and they're like who is the best president and he predictably said fdr and he's like who's the worst and it was uh truman and truman is the guy that helped set up the cia he said i think it was a mistake and if i known what was going to happen i would have never done it <laughs> now as nearly as i can make out those fellows in the cia don't just report on wars and the like they go out and make their own and there's nobody to keep track of what they're up to they spend billions of dollars on stirring up trouble so they'll have something to report on. They've become dot dot dot. It's become a government um, government all of its own and all secret. They don't have to account to anybody. And that's that's Truman, right? Yeah, that's, this is he this said is this back he, in what the fifties. Yeah, this is his uh, plain speaking and oral biography of Harry Truman by Merle Miller. So if that was going on in the fifties, imagine what's going on now. They prob oh. there's probably no. Uh, no organized entity in the world that is not somehow under the, you know, uh, a target of the CIA. Well, I don't know if this book was written in the, did you say the fifties? I don't know when, um, I mean, I could probably look it up, but whatever. I mean, when, if they asked him about the CIA and everything else, I mean, he's, he was probably speaking about that, that, that time. Yeah. That, that, well, he was talking about that time, but this is when he was like not president anymore. I, that, that's oh yeah. Why Cause he, he mentions important. the Bay of Pigs. Yeah, yeah. So that was, that was after the Bay of Pigs. Yeah. Okay, maybe we'll chat about one more. Didn't you have two uh, oxidative metabolism or uncoupling metabolism or uh, what was, where was the other one? Restoring oxidative metabolism on yeah. cancer. Then maybe that, that's a good one because uh, you know that's another criticism that I often get over emails saying like, okay, Pete is all about thyroid restoring oxidative phosphorylation. What does it have to do with cancer? Mm -hmm. um, and this actually is very good article because it shows that in some cancer cells the mitochondria is still there, right? And actually have a very high metabolic rate but it's not of the good kind. So what happens is that the mitochondria of the cancer cells has very high activity, but it actually consumes ATP instead of producing it. And where does that ATP come from? From the excessive glycolysis in the cytosol. And what happens to the ATP? Well, the mitochondria use it to synthesize a number of different DNA and RNA components that are needed for the metast metastasis and the division and growth of the cancer cell. 
So it's basically a fully parasitic metabolism producing ATP in an extremely inefficient way, which results in, of course, the overproduction of lactic acid, right? And lactic acid further suppresses the metabolism systemically in the entire body because it's a hypoxant, right? Keeps the carbon dioxide low, which results in less mitochondrial biogenesis systemically, right? And then this ATP, this high rate of ATP production that is uh, as a result of excessive glycolysis feeds into the mitochondria and basically is used to produce all of these uh, structural components that the cell, the cancer cell needs to divide and grow. Uh, now, they're saying that the block uh, for ATP synthesis um, in the cancer cell, they also mention pyruvate dehydrogenase, which we already know, but they also say it's complex one and two of the electron transport chain. So they're saying something happens there, and they don't know exactly what, that basically is is creating um, you know this, this block of, of the electron flow. So the electrons don't flow no more. And then they can leak back into the <laughs> cytosol and be used for more anabolic activity. So theoretically, at least, things that can circumvent this block or repair it may be highly beneficial for cancer. One, one such thing is coenzyme Q10, which is what they mentioned. Uh, and it's, it is now it's been confirmed multiple times that cancer patients have a deficiency of coenzyme Q10. What is coenzyme Q10? It's an electron carrier. It's a redox factor, right? And what else can can substitute for coenzyme Q10? Pretty much all of the quinones. Specifically, some of the latest studies that come out are with methylene blue, specifically targeting uh, people with mito in uh, inborn mitochondrial diseases um, with uh, uh, bundled up under the infamous Melas syndrome. Mitochondrial, I think, encephalopathy and stroke-like episodes. I think that's what the acronym stands for. Uh, and they're using, they've already successfully used methylene blue in several cases to circumvent this block of electron flow and reduce the seizures, reduce the stroke-like episodes, etc. Actually eliminate them. Uh, and in one study, they said that, that when they discontinued the methylene blue after administering for over a year, that person did not relapse. So methylene blue seems to have at least been capable of curative effects on whatever the damage that block um, in the electron transport chain complex is. What, which, um... And when they restored it, by the way, what happened is that they, what they did is they, they blocked the transport of ATP from the cytosol into the mitochondria so that the cancer cell couldn't, couldn't basically use it for the anabolic purposes. And that essentially um, basically the, destroyed the cancer. And then when they, um, I think they uh, forgot what well, they administered a another drug that restored the oxidative metabolism, and they further down they say that it was directly cytotoxic. There we go. Uh, re reversal of this effect was strongly cytotoxic to acute myeloid leukemia, indicating the direct oxidative phosphorylation regulation by the by the delta of the difference of the ATP between cytosol and mitochondria confers a survival advantage during hematopoietic clonal cell expression. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying is that interventions that target the oxidative phosphorylation, they're saying, uh, are, are basically viable therapies, at least for this cancer. Isn't complex two the one that's like highly dependent on the quinones and especially the CoQ10? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and, and then, also FAD. So if you oxid over oxidizing fats, you're basically depleting the pool of available, well, you're not depleting, but you're creating too much FADH and not enough FAD. And without enough FAD, complex 2 cannot function. Mm -hmm. So yet another reason not to over-oxidize fats. And then the oxidized, ver the safe version of CoQ10 is ubiquinone? Is that the one? You 
Yeah, you, you, Ubiquino. Mm. And unfortunately, most of the products that are out there are saying Ubiquino, which is the reduced version. Yeah. Yeah, I know frequently people tell me they're taking the reduced version of it. And by the way, adding insult to injury, it's about two times, two, two to five times more expensive than the Ubiquino. <laughs> I didn't know that. They say much more absorb, much more absorbable, higher bioavailability, <laughs> special lipid patent pending matrix. Buy our special pills for a hundred dollars. Patent, pa- uh, patent, or <laughs> patent matrix with silica uh, in it as well. <laughs> patent pending matrix, lipid matrix with silica, titanium dioxide, talc, <laughs> yeah, extra talc. But don't worry. It's the active ingredient that matters. Yeah. Not, not all of these other things. <laughs> exactly. Awesome, brother. I think we should, I mean, unless you can think of anything else, maybe call it there. Um, oh, some, uh, still preliminary, but some very good news coming out of our research group in yeah, Bulgaria. Yes, please. Okay. Uh, we did some preliminary testing with some quinones and vitamin K. And vitamin K3, and I suspect vitamin K2, which we will test uh, over the next couple of weeks, um, we used a, a very famous uh, yeast-based ba- assay for estrogenicity and androgenicity or for the antro- en- anti-estrogenicity and anti-androgenicity. Vitamin K3, uh, so far, looks like, and it's a really unique chemical because I don't know of anything else with, with, with such effects, but it confirms many of the anecdotal reports that we've been seeing on the forum and probably people have been emailing you about, about vitamin K2 changing the facial structure and the jaw and making people, males, look more masculine. Guess what? Maybe a good explanation for that. We, one of the members of the vitamin K family, vitamin K3, um, and we use that for now because it's the most, it's the, it's the least lipophilic, so it's the, more, it's the easiest to dissolve and, and use in this uh, yeast as, as assay. But I don't see why the other ones wouldn't have the same effects. It is the only chemical we tested that was both anti-estrogenic and androgenic. So we'll see what happens with uh, with the uh, with the subsequent tests. We're gonna test vitamin K2, both the MK4 and the MK7 version, and if we have enough um, uh, kits, um, funds permitting, we'll probably test vitamin K1 as well. Um, but basically, that may explain right there, um, you know, the pro testosterone, pro libido, pro sexual, pro bone health, pro muscle health, pro brain health, all of these things that Ray has been writing about. In, People have indirectly noticed themselves in the mirror in terms of uh, becoming more masculine uh, and the jaw, like the gunile angle changing, becoming more closer to 90 degrees. Um, basically, that that change in jaw shape structure is known to be driven by something that has androgenic effects. Uh, the Even from us androgenic and anabol- anabolic steroids are known to have some, some such effects. And now vitamin K seems to have those effects um, weaker probably than an endobonic endogenic steroid, but of course, much healthier <laughs> um, and available everywhere over the counter. Still, I sh- maybe I shouldn't jinx it because uh, once we publish those <laughs> results, if they get, they get confirmed, they will say, well, thank you for confirming that this works like a drug. And now we are treating it like a drug and you can no longer buy it. <laughs> and then any other updates, uh, anything other than experiments or anything like that? Uh, what do we do? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, uh, I remember I sent you the screenshot that the vitamin B1 and B2 combo mm-hmm, stopped mm-hmm. the cancer. Mm-hmm. Now we re- we're repeating that study with the higher dosage of B1. I'm hoping that we can maybe cure at least uh, one, maybe one or two of the mice. We'll see what happens. I mean, I'm, I'm greedy. For me, completely stopping cancer is not enough. I want it cure. 
Um, and we're going to test, uh, basically, finally, we've synthesized all of the different fatty acid oxidation inhibitors. They've undergone toxicity testing. And now we're going to do a few studies on cancer with them and see see where we stand on that. And if, if that hypothesis gets confirmed, then, you know, uh, we're going to do another comparative study with one of those chemicals, but also with aspirin and quinine, which there is a, a sufficient evidence that it acts similarly to mildronate. Actually, apparently it, it has a very similar effects and it's also anti-serotonin. And you, I don't know if you noticed, Pete mentioned it a few times um, as a strong anti-inflammatory chemical. Mm -hmm. um, maybe he's drinking his tonic water now that we <laughs> discussed this, what is it, like six months ago? Yeah. <laughs> But uh, so just to give everybody, you know, the uh, ac the you know the cheapest and widest possible access to to uh, to therapeutic interventions, um, we're gonna test some of these chemicals against quinine and aspirin, and if basically quinine and aspirin confirm uh, confirm to have similar effects, then the cat is out of the bag. You don't need any special drugs to treat cancer. They're you know they're available in every grocery store. <laughs> the tonic water will probably disappear, and Amazon will run out of aspirin. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, did you read about COP26 at all? This conference, this climate conference at all? Oh, the climate change conference? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I thought that the, 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 the big fiasco was that basically they agreed that they're going to continue using coal. Uh, oh, is that the, what they said? What? They just came out. With this, I mean, the Russia Today had an article that uh, COP26 was just a big small screen, <laughs> smoke screen. And behind the scenes, what they were discussing is how do we... How do we resolve this fiasco with the energy crisis that is going on right now? Because clearly green energy is not where it needs to be in order to maintain the population. Mm -hmm. And I guess probably some of the participants said, well, get on it. Kill that population already. Like, I thought that's <laughs> what we've been doing for the last two years. But long story short, apparently they agree that they will continue using and subsidizing coal. Mm -hmm. Interesting. I didn't know that. Okay, brother. What? Uh, anything else before we get out of here? I cannot think of anything else. I mean, that's that's really. Uh, I mean, unless something's going on in Mexico that uh, you think portends <laughs> what's happening in the, what's going to happen in the in the states. Are you coming stateside, or are you really like done? <laughs> I can't imagine any scenario where where I will visit or go to the United States. Um, knock on knock on wood here. I yeah I. I know I can't, I can't think of. Do you keep uh, in touch with the family or like yeah, are you guys yeah, not, not all close? on good terms? My family is very independent. And so, uh, that, that's just how it's always been. And so I, I like my family, but we're all, we all do our own thing and we rarely all get together. So that, that would be brutal. Okay. If one of my parents got sick or something, that would not be a fun situation. And if it, if things keep progressing here, I would be, it'd be a very difficult decision to decide to go, to go back there. Cause I, I'm really, um, uh, freaked out about being kept there or something when I've made su such a huge effort to stay in Mexico. So I don't think it'll, it'll come down to keeping people here, like, you know, closing the borders and preventing from leaving because if uh, that will probably s trigger the civil war, I mean, um, it didn't trigger it in Canada. Uh, but that remains to be seen because, you know, I think that order by, by Trudeau was illegal. There's nothing in the Constitution that says this guy can ban you from leaving the country. I mean, well, that's like this turning into a prison, essentially. Well, the thing that really freaked me out was on uh, like in LAX, they the the um, fuck, I can't talk tonight. Well, the 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 form that you fill out, they said, list all your social media accounts. <laughs> Like, oh, they, they, I think they do it to everybody. This no, it it's not just the LAX. I've, okay, okay, maybe it's everywhere now, but I mean, I've been through LAX dozens of times, you know, I've never seen that before. And so like, 
I had heard that a long time ago, like James Corbett, who runs that kind of conspiracy channel. He he said that a Canadian person had gone through his phone and things like that. So I'm just saying, like, we're you could easily find out our or at least my views on the internet. That'd be terrifying to be be kept because of your social media or something. That'd be fucking insane. Why don't you have a second set of accounts that basically you that that's the <laughs> the nice uh, obedient Danny Roddy, and then you have another one, and then they'll never know which one is which. I think it's. Do too, they ask for all too, of your social media accounts, or like your social media accounts? I I could send you it, but it was it was like chilling. It was like another level of just in total and. Or William, like basically, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, no, and I would just be too afraid of getting kept there or something. Again, not I'm not saying Mexico is some paradise or whatever, but uh, again, again, I've made my bed, and so I'm going to sleep in it. You know, I've taken measures to stay here. So, uh, all right. Yeah. Well, good. Okay, guys. Thank you so much. You know, apologize for the for the long break in between here. We didn't mean to have a break. Uh, give this episode a like. Sincerely appreciate it. Uh, okay, let me just run through these advertisements. Uh, t- <laughs> All the podcasts will be posted there. Uh, Patreon.com slash Danny Roddy. You can follow me on. Uh, what is this platform? Instagram, idealabsdc.com. <laughs> you can buy Georgie's new chemical on idealabsdc.com slash lab and then wait for his, uh, or how long do you think people would have to wait for the, the olive oil version of the vitamin K? Oh, well, next week. Okay. Next- all we have to do is, is bottle another batch with, with olive oil. So when, when he tried to buy quinone, he'll ask you to choose like between the two options. Uh, and the new one will be in parentheses, most likely will be called Evo, uh, EV triple O. And that'll just be vitamin K and olive oil. That's it. Just like it is right now, but instead of the two solvents, uh, the same dosage, the same amount per drop, everything the same, except the solvents, there will be only one, and you'll be called extra virgin or organic olive oil. Amazing. I look forward to trying that. You can follow Georgie on Twitter at twitter.com slash hate it. And guys, thanks again. Sincerely appreciate it. We have an amazing audience. I got hounded where these episodes were. And so that actually feels pretty good. So sincerely appreciate that. And then Georgie, my partner in crime, thank you so much for taking time away from your family and joining me here and having a lovely chat. And so I don't know what we're going to do the next week. Maybe I'll do a Q&A or something. Uh, and then you and I will reconvene on the 26th for Ray Pete coming back, finally talking about the newsletter and catching up at, at, after basically two two months. And so that should be very fun. So Georgie, yeah. once again, thank you so much. Any parting words? No, nothing. I mean, basically, let's hope that this that this calm right now is not not a calm before the storm, but uh, but the powers that be realize that they failed in their regrouping. I'm I'm beyond hoping that they that it'll collapse. <laughs> but let's just hope they will leave us alone a little bit and find something else to like to bitch about. I don't know, climate or something else. <laughs> okay, we'll flip the penny into the well of, of wishing that will happen. Again, thank you so much. Thanks to our audience. Uh, well, I'll do something next week, maybe a Q&A or something, and then we'll see Ray on the 26th. Okay, bye, everybody. Thank you guys so much. Take care. Have a safe week. Okay, bye.